This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. So tonight I've invited several of our staff members to encourage you. I literally believe every person that's in this room is not here on accident. We're not here just to serve tonight. God has a purpose and a plan for us to be together. And every one of them is going to come forward with a different message and really a different challenge for what we could pray about and pray for tonight. And so I'm going to invite up first Maddie Brown. So would you welcome Maddie? She gets ready to share with us. Can we give God some glory before I get started? Because he deserves all of it. And also that we get to be here on a Monday night. I need it. I'm sure some of you need it. um, That we get to come and worship together and just give God the glory he deserves. But also to Pastor Kevin for setting the platform for this week of getting to seek God together as a church and not making it about you. If y'all didn't know, it's his birthday today. He doesn't like recognition, but he chose to be here tonight, and I believe there is something for each of you. Um, To open up, I want to begin in Ephesians 4 and read a couple verses, um, and then we're going to pray together. It says, There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Can we pray together? Father God, we we come humbly before you, just thanking you for this opportunity to gather here together today. Um, God, we invite your spirit into this place. God, we invite you to just move in our hearts, in our minds, in our families, Lord. I just pray over me that I don't make it about myself, that it's all for you, um, but get I get to share what you've done through me. So God, I just pray, God, tonight that hearts will be healed, lives will be set free in your name. Amen. So tonight, I want to start by telling you What the Lord is really teaching me in this season of life right now, and it's really simple. It's that I'm not God, and because of that, I need to be inviting God into my everyday life. And you might be like, well, Maddie, you followed Jesus. Like, you should know that. But there was this moment that I had, and it radically changed my life and it made me realize that I was trying to be God in a way that I didn't recognize. You see, this past July, I got the opportunity to go to Honduras and, um, you know, you hear all these people say, man, it's amazing. Your life will be changed. Your perspective will be changed, like life changing. And so I hear all these stories, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm ready to go serve people that I've never met. And if I'm honest, after the very first day, that wasn't the case. I found myself at the end of the first day. We had spent the whole day with the kids at the care point, with the volunteers, with 
the leaders at the care point. And y'all, it was amazing. But I found myself at the end of the day journaling. And I ended up asking the question, Maddie, what's wrong with you? Because I didn't feel any of that. I didn't feel the life change. I didn't feel my heart shifting towards these people. I felt broken. I felt like something was wrong with me. And so I journaled about it. I left it to the Lord that night. And the next day, nobody knew this happened. And I had a, I was having a conversation with one of the translators from Children's Cup. And he also works in student ministry. And so we were talking about ministry and he said something that will forever change my life, my everyday life. He said, you can do good things in your life, but if God isn't invited into it, then you've missed the whole point. You see, in that moment, we were talking about ministry, and yes, I it hit me hard. It wrecked me because I've started um, leading student ministry, and if I'm honest, I've tried to do it by myself, and I... And I figured out that I wasn't inviting God into it. I was trying to be God. You see, you might be in here today and you do all these good things. You're a good employer. You're a good boss. You're a good daughter, son, husband, wife. But if you're not inviting God into it, then you miss the whole point. And so I want to go back to that verse in Ephesians because if I'm honest, <laughs> I wrote this message this morning and I read this verse and it all tied in together of what I've been learning through the Lord. It says, there is one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. Now, I'm a firm believer that the Bible is true and it's alive. So God, I believe that God is truly over all of us. I truly believe that God is in all of us. And I believe that God can live through us. But I want to challenge you tonight. If we're not inviting him in, he's not able to do what he wants to do through us. You see, I believe there are three areas that we need to be inviting God into daily. And I want to challenge some of you because, you know, you can give your life to Jesus and be saved and then do nothing after it. But our walk with the Lord is an everyday thing. It's an everyday surrender. And there are three things that we need to be inviting the Lord into every single day. And number one is that we need to invite God to be in authority. We need to invite God to be in authority. Because before God can ever do a work in us or through us, He must reign over our lives. You see, we can live the life we want to but God will never be able to do anything in us or through us if we're in control if we're being the God you see God has to be in authority and so daily 
You have to make that decision. Am I in control or is God? Is it going to be my way or is it going to be God's way? And so we need to be inviting God to be our authority over our lives. Number two, we need to invite God to have access into our hearts and minds. And y'all, this is a little uncomfortable because, you know, hearts and minds, that's where all the mess is. It's where all the brokenness, where nobody knows anything. But we need, if we're going to have God in authority, we need to be inviting God into our hearts and minds as well. You see, Pastor Kevin said this past Sunday, God needs to do a work in you before he can do a work through you. And so if we're going to live with God, we need to be inviting him into our lives daily. You see, we need this this takes every day. And I'm going to challenge some of you with attitudes. Attitudes are a great thing, but when you get a bad attitude, who do you go to first? Is it your friend? Is it your parent? Is it your husband, wife, whoever it is? Are you going to them or are you inviting God to change your attitude? Because in the end, you might can talk to someone and make them feel or make them make you feel better, but it's not changing anything. You need to be inviting God to change your heart and your mind. You see, this is where I was at in Honduras. You know, I I came in excited, wanting to make a difference. But that night, that first night, I realized God had to do something in me, in my heart, to make me realize I'm not God, to do something through me. He had to do a work in my heart first. So we need to be inviting God into our minds, into our hearts. But then number three, we need to invite God to do a work through us. I think we get comfortable with saying, well, I'm allowing God into my heart and mind, but it's just going to stay there. Nobody's going to know about it. But you were not meant for just yourself. You were meant for more than just yourself. You are meant to share your story. You are meant to tell the brokenness. You are meant to tell the testimony. You see, every single day, you need to be inviting God to do a work through you, through your friendships. What if, let's say you're going to lunch with a friend. What if you ask the Lord to be there, to invite God before you went into that lunch. How much would that change? We need to be inviting God into our work, into our community. You see, when you start to invite God into these three areas of being in authority, of being in your hearts and minds, but also doing a work through you, you will see that God can do so much more than you could ever do on your own. That's where I found myself. So tonight, as we go in prayer at the end, I want to challenge you, wherever you are, maybe it's number one that 
You need to invite God to be Lord in your life. You need to ask him to be in authority. Maybe you've never asked that before and you never surrendered your life. Maybe you've never surrendered your way. But maybe tonight you need to do that. Or maybe it's to invite God into your heart and mind, into the brokenness, into the sin, into the disappointments, into whatever you're going through. Maybe you need to invite God into that space. Or maybe, number three, you need to invite God to do a work through you. You know God has done something in your heart and in your mind, and you're so scared to share it because it it makes you share the brokenness of what you've went through. But maybe that's you. God can do so much more through you when you invite him in. So maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're here and you know that there's some areas of your life that you need to invite the Lord into tonight. Here's what we're going to do in just a little bit. We're going to pray, right? So if that's you, I want you to, when we give that invitation in just a little bit, I want you to get prepared. We're going to invite you to come up and let some folks pray with you tonight, okay? So good, so good. So up next is, uh, I'm, I'm slightly biased with the speakers tonight. Uh, this is my favorite one, okay? So it's my wife, Amanda. You, go, you, need the, you need the podium up here? Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. I'll get it for you. Honey, I want to preach. <laughs> All right, so, hey, guys. I feel like I'm amongst a bunch of friends, so that's going to be fun. I love it. Um, so I wanted to talk today. Um, I recently, in the last few months, started working out, and... Um, I used to love working out. I used to love it a lot. And, um, but along the way, a lot of excuses came up of why I shouldn't work out. And um, I went through like injury after injury and made excuse after excuse after excuse. And um, it took me a while, but in the last few months, I've been, I'm not trying to get skinny. I've, I've mourned those days. I'm like, just trying to be healthy. I'm just trying to be healthy. So I'm working out, trying to be healthy, trying to become stronger. Um, but what I noticed is while I'm working out, there's always a reason not to, right? There's always an excuse. In fact, there's been a few times that I went to go work out and because of my choice of what I ate before I worked out, it did not go very well. <laughs> I had to do some planks and I'm telling you, you gotta be real careful with what you eat when you do a plank. <laughs> because I'm telling you what, like I, that was, I've been working with a health coach and I, like every time I went to, go, to get down on it to do a plank, I swear every time, like I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. And I kept going after it. I was like, all right, it is okay. We're going to do another exercise and then we'll come back to it. And eventually, like, eventually I did it. Um, but like, I noticed there would be always something like, I don't feel good. It was a bad day at work or, um, you know, like we have an event and I'm getting home late and I don't want to do it. Uh, there just, there's so many reasons to not do it. And I started thinking about that, and I'm like, that, that's so applicable in so many ways in what God asks us to do. That if we're going to look for an excuse, you're going to find it. 
If you need an excuse, you're gonna find one. There's always going to be an excuse. In fact, the enemy is going to work really hard to provide those excuses and they're gonna seem legit. They're gonna seem okay. But I'm gonna tell you what, when God tells you to do something, don't make excuses. Because in Psalm 119.60, it says, I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. The thing I think about when I think that about that verse is that delayed obedience is disobedience. Kevin has said it like multiple times. We say it to our kids all the time. Um, that like if you delay that obedience, it's disobedience. God is telling us to do a lot of things. And I'm telling you, like, if, if you don't want to do it because you find some kind of excuses, there are tons of excuses in the Bible. There are lots of stories. In fact, I was, like, trying to find just one, but there were so many. I looked through the Bible, and I'm like, here, here Adam is, you know, saying that, well, I sinned because Eve. He made an excuse, right? And then you've got Eve who's saying, well, I didn't do it because it was because of the snake. And then you've got Moses who says, well, I can't do it because I, I can't speak. I'm not, I'm not qualified enough. And then you've got Jonah who is saying, well, uh, they're not good enough to forgive. I don't need to do this. There's tons and tons and tons of stories of people making excuses in the Bible. Because if you want an excuse you're going to find one. There will always be an excuse to not do what God wants you to do. And that most of the time comes from the enemy. So I looked in um, Luke 14. I just want to read it really quickly. I don't have it up there. I apologize. Um, because I just thought it was an interesting um, parable that, that the Lord shares. He says, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. This is the parable of the great banquet. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But when they all alike began to make excuses, the first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it please excuse me, right? Work has never been an excuse for any of us to do what God wants us to do. He says, another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, I think it's really funny that the guy, like he literally says, I have a wife now, I can't do this, right? I'm sure many of you have spouses that are perfect excuses uh, not to do something. Um, but he says, the servant uh, came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. I'm going to tell you what, like I want a taste of the banquet that God has for me. And God has given, Jesus showed us all kinds of different people making excuses not to be there. We will get an excuse. If you want an excuse, you'll find one. You will find one to disobey the Lord. You will find excuses not to do what God's called you to do. But let me just tell you this. 
What excuses have you made? What excuses have you made for, for yourself to do what God has already called you to do? What excuses are you making? Are you making an excuse to not forgive? Are you choosing bitterness? Because God has made it very clear that we need to forgive. What excuses are you making? I know there's so many times I've pleaded with the Lord. I'm like, Lord, you just don't know what they've done. You don't know. You don't know the kind of pain I'm in. There's so many times that I've had excuse after excuse after excuse. But you, if you want an excuse, you'll find one. You will find that excuse. But you won't get to eat at the banquet. And I'm telling you what, what God has at the banquet is good. It is good and I want it. I don't know about you, but I want it for you. So what kind of excuses are you making? We can make all kinds of excuses. We can make excuses not to love somebody. We can make excuses not to spend time with the Lord. We can make excuse after excuse. But will you get what God wants from you by making those excuses? Are you delaying what God has for you? Is there something that God has put in your heart? In fact, if you want to pray that, that is something maybe I would think about praying about, is that if maybe God has already put something in your heart that you need to not make any more excuses about. Maybe there's something that, maybe you don't know what God's putting in your heart because you're not close enough to Him because you've made excuses not to be close to Him. There's so many things that we make excuses for. Today is the day to not make any more excuses because God wants us to feast at his table. God has invited us to be a part of his story. God has invited us to no longer make excuses because he's got something good for us to eat. So let's pray on that. That was good. Let me just highlight a couple things that might be there tonight, okay? You might be here tonight and there might be somebody that you need to forgive. And you've made an excuse as to why I can't forgive them, okay? There might be something that's in your past that you need to let go of made excuses about why you can't do that you might actually even have a vision about what God could do with your life but you've been more concerned Amanda made this point you've been more concerned about what you'll do for God than who you are with God and you've made excuses to not be with God excuses for your behavior excuses for why you are the way you are Tonight, when we take a moment, it might be time for you to say, hey, I need to pray for that. I need prayer. Okay? And uh, listen, we saved some good stuff for the last one. I mean, yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, you. I love Brian Barker so much. Such a valuable part of our team. And I can't wait for what he has to share with us tonight. But I'm not your favorite. I heard that. I took notes tonight. I remember. I remember. <laughs> Man, when I, uh, when I came today, I was told I was speaking first, and I was like, yeah, that's going to be awesome. And then I got to follow Maddie and Amanda. <laughs> I was looking for an excuse. I was looking for one. 
I was already here though, so I couldn't find one. Today's uh, in the history, you know, of, of the United States. Like it's a bitter day for me. Some of you guys over here on the left don't even really know what today. You guys weren't alive when it happened. 22 years ago, when we experienced 9/11, our country they faced a crisis. Like we weren't truly prepared for it. We weren't ready. I remember where I was that day. Um, I was in college. You guys heard last last weekend that I, I wasn't there long. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't there long, but I was there that day. <laughs> I was there that day, and I was actually in a history class, and, um, you know, the, the teacher announces, you know, the planes have just hit, hit the towers and all that, and at that moment, like, I was sad, but I, I didn't know, I, I didn't know the gravity of what had just happened, and I think it, I didn't have Jesus in my life at that moment of time, so I didn't know how to handle the situation. I knew it was, you know, it was, it was, it was massive, massive impact to the country. I knew a lot of people lost their lives. I knew families were just in turmoil. But for me personally, like, I didn't have Jesus. I didn't know how to navigate it. I had friends that were impacted. I didn't know how to help them. And so today I want to go into scripture in Psalms 46. Um, for me personally, this just tells me how to approach a crisis in life. So it's 11 verses. I know I'm, I win today for the most verses, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it word for word. Um, Psalms 46, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of, the God, of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Leave, um, will you guys put the first verse back up, please? I'm sorry, I know I'm throwing that on y'all. Thank you. I just want to go through this, this part right here and give some highlights, how it starts with God is our refuge. You know, speaking to a place of safety, like shelter from trouble, protecting you from danger. It talks about him being our strength. And I think this can apply to different strengths in our life. You know, we look at this, we might think physical, but I think if we look a little bit more, maybe we see spiritual, maybe we see emotional. And the truth is we got different phases in our life. We need different strengths. You know, I was at my weakest when my first born was, my first son was born. It wasn't a physical weakness, but it was an emotional weakness. And I think that's, that's what this strength represents. And it says God is ever present. Like, he's never going anywhere, guys. Like, we are the ones that we travel. We distance ourselves from him. But he is ever-present. He is available to us. And it's interesting in these 11 verses, that's kind of repeated, right? You see that in verse 1, but you also see in verse 7 where it says, The Lord Almighty is with us, is our fortress. And then again in verse 11, The Lord Almighty is with us, he is our fortress. However, I don't want you to... Don't mistake this. Like, we're not immune from troubles. Troubles will find us. It doesn't matter that we're Christians. Non-Christians see troubles. Christians see troubles. We all see troubles. There's going to be trouble in your life. There's going to be time when you need refuge, when you need shelter. 
The difference is how will you approach that? What question do you, how do you want to answer the question, how will I approach this? Do I want to approach it with God by my side? Do I want to approach it with God in the center of my life? Or do you want to approach it with somewhere else? Now, funny story. Well, it was, it was funny to me. Um, it happened to me. So it was funny after. It was not funny during. And this goes back some time ago. I don't know, maybe like eight or nine years ago. This is my one camping story. Okay, I don't like to camp, all right? I'm not a camper. And if you come to me and say you're a camper and I see you pull a trailer or an RV by, that's a lie. All you did was move the hotel, okay? That's a lie. I don't like to camp. I sweat. My body heat is max. I don't like gnats, bugs, all of that. I work hard to have a house and a roof and a nice bed. I don't understand why people like to camp. I think it's part of the definition of insanity. So here I am with three of my friends. It's actually, we were um, at, our, at our church in Wilmington. It was, it was me, my pastor at that time. Um, it was really our team of armor bearers. So it was me and two other armor bearers and we were going out on the Appalachian Trail. So <laughs> there are a lot of learning experiences. This We prepare this trip. We, this guy, one of our friends, he's ex-military, right? Presidential detail. And I'm like, he's got pictures with multiple presidents while he was serving there. I'm like, he's gonna plan a great trip. What I didn't realize is he is he was trained to survive and kill, okay? He was not trained to pack what I needed. <laughs> so, so there we are. We don't have tents. He's got a one-man tent. It was like a Ziploc bag, okay? One tent. We don't have sleeping bags. I took a hammock. I took my Bible. I was, I was with Jesus. I took, a, I took a hammock. I took my Bible. I took a pistol. My, one of my other friends, he took, a, he took a sleeping bag and a slingshot. I mean, just <laughs> these things, you cannot make this up, okay? So we, we were not prepared, right? We were just not prepared. But the first day we get there, we hike like, I don't know, 42 miles. That's what we're going to say, right? We hiked 42 miles that first day. The day was beautiful. I mean, it was like 65, 70 degrees. We get to our, our, our day one campsite. There's like a river flowing. So you're able to get some water, boil it. Like, it's just so beautiful. We got a campfire. Like I said, I was with my pastor at that time. And if, and if you're with a pastor out in the wilderness, like, it, they're going to they're gonna speak to you, right? So it's just, we get our journals out, got the Bible out. He's speaking to us. Imagine yourself there. How cool is this? Just count the stars, you know, like everything was perfect until it was not. Um, that night at about 2.30 in the morning, the clouds just dumped a Noah-esque flood on top of us. I'm in a hammock. Okay, we had a tarp, but we didn't have any rope to hang the tarp. So um, I'm in a hammock. Uh, my pastor was in a hammock. The other two guys were actually in that one-man tent. Um, so awkward. So awkward. So I'm like, pastor, pastor, wake up, wake up. I mean, we are getting drenched, and there's that tarp laying down there. So we go and we crawl into this tarp and just cut, you know, big spoon, little spoon. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. You know, I was the big spoon. That's, what, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. We were not prepared. Like, not only did we not pack, like, the just-in-case items, we didn't pack anything. We were not prepared, and what this went on for three days, guys. We did not quit. This went on for three days. That's another sermon. Um, what I learned from this trip, though, was to be prepared for a crisis. You have to prepare before the crisis. 
And while I think we can relate and we can understand this in everyday life, like when it comes to sports, we know we go to practice before the game. When our worship team is planning to, to, to lead us in worship, like they rehearse, except Ed. Ed's bad to the bone. He don't, Ed don't, he don't practice. But when you're in school, you know, you study before the exam. At your job, if you've got a presentation, you are preparing before that. But it doesn't stop there, guys. Like, that's how we have to be with our relationship with God. You have to spend time with God every day. For you to experience God's presence in your life, you must learn learn to experience it each day. If you're not learning how, how to go to God, how to go to God and ask Him to be your refuge or use Him as your resource and get on your knees and surrender to Him daily for the calling on your life. If you're not doing that when things are easy, you will not be able to do that when trouble comes your way. Like when a crisis comes into your life. And what happens then? What happens when a crisis presents itself? When you're going through that mess, you usually you turn to what you trust, right? Now, see, a crisis will not define you, but it will reveal who you are. An alcoholic, they turn, they turn, turn to the bottle. An addict, they're going to turn to their addictions. People that value the world's view, they're going to turn to the world's wisdom. For parents, like, where are you turning when you're struggling being a parent? Where are you turning for our, our married folks, like, when your marriage is, is breaking what are you turning to? You know, as Christians, we're supposed to turn to the Lord. We're supposed to turn to the Lord. And if we look back at that first verse, where it says, God is our refuge. He is our strength. He is our ever-present help in trouble. This scripture, it speaks to the sufficiency of God in our life. And all we have to do is just like verse 10 says, is be still. We just have to settle ourselves, settle our emotions, settle our actions, just settle our thoughts and know that he is God. When we do that, when we settle, when we're still, when we affirm his presence and when we surrender to him, we will experience his sufficiency. So God is sufficient. He is our source of victory. And I want you to know, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter if it's a physical ailment, no matter if it's a spiritual thing, if it's emotional, if it's family, job, whatever it is, it's not too big for God. Like, He's got you covered. And if there is anything tonight that you need to claim victory over, I want to encourage you to come up for prayer tonight. Let's surrender it to God. Let's claim these victories with him. With him. Lay it as his feet. Allow him to take these things. Allow him to pour his strength into you. Allow him to be your refuge. And let's just surrender to him tonight. Give it up for God. God, that was good. You know, what's actually funny is the first story I ever heard about Brian before I met Brian was about him and uh, his pastor, Jeff, in that tarp. And, uh, but it was from the perspective of his pastor. Um, and I will say that I think I can confirm Brian was the big spoon. Okay? I just want to confirm that. Um, no, if, if you're facing something tonight, 
you know, some of us are probably facing some stuff we've never talked to anybody about because it's inside. Facing depression or facing anxiety or facing worry. There's freedom in being able to say, hey, I need help. I need help. Maybe there's something going on with your marriage, going on with your kids. We're here to pray. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.